Hey y'all, welcome to Recording Drums with Blair Sinta. This is a season one recap um, of some of the kind of most memorable moments, kind of things I found surprising or things that I learned uh, that I, you know, even knowing knowing a lot of these guests personally, um, something I learned from them. Um, they're all here in no particular order. One thing from each guest, you know, minute to a minute and a half of each person and, uh, yeah, I just thought it'd be cool, cool to go back, uh, not only just for myself, but, you know, hopefully for, for anyone listening to just, uh, pull out some of these kind of memorable moments. All right. Season one recap. Uh, I'm going to line up some more people, start this up again in a few weeks, but take a minute for the holidays here. And, uh, you know, my courses are out as always. I'm, I'm pumping them on here. The snare sound Bible introduction to recording and improve your groove. Those are available on my website anytime. Um, if you like the podcast, please rate it, please leave comments. Uh, it helps more drummers, engineers, producers, whoever find out about the podcast. And that's really the important point of this is just sharing good information from knowledgeable people. All right. So, uh, help spread the word. That's it. Happy new year to everybody. And, uh, I'll see y'all again soon. I guess, you know, a lot of the thing that I like love to try to learn from people through this process is, is how you're able to like your own, you know, kind of practice or work at home Yeah. in a, in an engineering recording sense. Yeah. You're able to take that into actual recording studios whether it's mic placement, mic choice, yes, tuning, EQ, yeah. you know, like, hey, can we put some distortion on this sound or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I very, very much in in my life as far as going and doing sessions with other places. I actually much rather do sessions at my house, to tell you mm-hmm. the truth, mm-hmm. because I I know how to get sounds that I enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, and sounds that I believe, you know, but. Um, but when I do sessions at other places, like I definitely bring my bag of tricks. Yeah. Oh, hey. Uh, <laughs> um, what you got? Uh, I definitely bring my bag of tricks of like, you know, mics and, um, or even just like, hey, like, can we just, yeah, everybody does this now, but can we just get like a dick mic happening? And like, you know, and just like right. run it through, what you got? Uh, or, you know, Compress it or distort it. Uh, yeah, compress it or distort it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, often I bring, uh, I didn't bring it on this trip, but uh, I often bring, um, Dr. Alien Smith is like a mic builder, but I bring the I dirt I got to get one of those, man. <laughs> yeah, I bring the yeah. dirt mic Yeah, kind of like everywhere. Yeah. Actually, you don't even need to bring the mic anymore because he makes a little, just distor- uh, like phantom powered distortion box that you can plug in right. uh, any microphone into, which yep. uh, I'm very into. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Um, I, I was bringing that, I, I bring that kind of most sessions and it kind of does the thing already. But then when you run that through EQ and, yeah. and stuff like it, it really kind of makes a drum sound. Yeah. And, and you, and you, some, and so you're, you're often helping guide that. Yes. At least that mic sound. Yeah. 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 What yeah. 1000. I mean, to me, that's, that's the whole fascinating thing about like, this subject to me and why, why I knew it would be great to talk to you because like whether you're in a, like a bedroom closet 
or like a warehouse in d- industrial downtown LA and fighting like cicadas and dogs and <laughs> and and back you know backfiring mufflers yet it's going to like freaking movie theaters and like Netflix and whatever i mean that's insane yeah it is it is pretty i guess i, <laughs> I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about that so much, you know, I, I'm sure there will be like an aha moment. I, I should have had them already. Um, but I, I feel like there will probably be one coming or at least I hope, you know, where we get to kind of divulge that to the executives. And- <laughs> Maybe this is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> You've um, been recording where? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, the way they, if you th- let's just for example like how they would have were you know recorded like Star Wars with John Williams right mm. I mean it's kind of a good example or like you know whatever Superman with John Williams right <laughs> yeah, right and now you're recording the same character same story yeah in a in a woodshop warehouse you know with these elements happening but you're doing it and it works yeah it, it's working and like, that's just, that's awesome. It's just it's, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. At least through Instagram, you have you, like, the sounds are very stylized, right? Like you're doing, yeah. you're really doing like your thing with that. How much of that is changing? Is, are, is that just, is that mainly mixing? Like when you have to do like a, like a pop track or something outside of that, that can't be that curated. Is that yeah. back end mostly? You know what I mean? That- yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm messing with everything continually. Right. You know, as far as, as far as plugins are concerned. And, uh, and I know, uh, you know, there's a big, I know your thing is the source sound has to be good mm-hmm. or you're, a, you're, you're going to be chasing your tail oh, forever. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've got, you know, I've got some, I've got a handful of sounds that I draw from. Um, and then all the variables, like I say, with, with, with microphone, um, whichever choice of mics. So I've got three crunch mics. I've got, uh, I've got a ball and biscuit hanging up. Ah. In fact, you can see it. It's so funny. It's so funny, man. I've never heard of that mic until last week. And I talked to oddly enough, Ashwin Sud. Oh yeah. And he told me about that mic. We sort of had the. The, the concept of the room, which is everything is in the, in this, in the room here. Like the console is here. Nice. The drums are there. Oh, crazy. Okay. Yeah. Pianos. There's two big pianos there. Look at that. Okay. Yeah. And, and there is an isolation room back there. In my mind, before I saw those drums, I was like, the drums must be back there. <laughs> yeah. So the drums are right beside the console. This okay. is kind of a concept that I, our Sarah's producer, Pierre Machon, yep. when we were, when we were uh, working with him a lot, yep. I love the idea that everything was in the same room. Yep. Literally the drums were right beside the console. We'd put headphones on, we'd get sounds, take the headphones off, go back and listen. Yep. He, he would conduct me when I played you know, or he'd take the headphones off and look at me. Are you okay? Do you need a break? You know, it was very much that. I never have been a fan of the glass. Okay. You know, the control room glass thing. I've done it a little bit, but not much. Okay. I like the idea that we can all be in the same room. We can push stop. We can take our headphones off. We can have a conversation. We can get right back to it. So you'll have, you'll have uh, uh, bass, uh, multi-instruments happening in the same room sometimes? 
Sometimes we, yeah, not more than two or three people playing at once in sure. here. Like I've been on the kit where Sarah's been on the piano. Okay. I'm playing quite quietly yeah. and our engineer here is recording and, the, and a bass player. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, if it's something quiet too, because of the piano and open mics and whatnot. And that, but, could, um, make, that could turn into a take, into a track. Totally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know what I find interesting is that, Mm. So you just said SPD, and I thought you were going to say, oh, yeah, so I trigger some drum samples there. <laughs> now, I mean, besides like a shaker or, or finger snaps or hand claps, are you are you doing like, you know, drum, quote unquote, drum stuff? You know what I mean? Well, um, fascinating. Why? Because I, I mean, I think of you as as a drummer. I mean, I know obviously you're a percussionist, but I think of you as a like a really rad jazz drummer and a like a. You know what I mean? Like a super musical drummer. So that's, um, yeah, I think, thank you. Um, I've been like writing songs since I was five. And then I just like picked up the drumsticks when I was 11 and it, it like, it just worked. Mm -hmm. Um, cause like I said before, reading notes for me can be a little, challenging for whatever reason I'm just kind of dyslexic with it and it never really I took piano lessons as well uh, my parents as well were like gotta learn how to read notes and it just never really like made sense until I started playing the drums and I could read the sh the, the heck out of drum charts like no problem like rhythms are no problem mm -hmm. but it's just the notes for some reason so got on the drum train for a long time and then Actually, when I moved to LA, I stopped taking gigs on purpose for, I don't know, a couple years at least until the iron and wine thing came along. Um, but I just was playing with We Are The West mm -hmm. and writing my own songs because I just got so burned out from drumming up um, in the Bay Area. It was wonderful. Like absolutely everything about it was wonderful, but I felt like there was something missing mm -hmm. and that was songwriting. So so yeah, I mean this this whole thing is just about me trying to figure out how do I how what kind of songwriter can I be? And I need to play a chordal instrument to do that alone to like be a proper singer songwriter. So right. this is it. <laughs> this is my solution to that problem. Okay, so tell me about your t I, this is super geeky but this is what we're here for. Sure. Your tuning is so meticulous and the other day I was actually working on like a floor tom drop that like right you seem to really have dialed you're that's just like you're a, you're a tweaker right <laughs> so so the secret for that for me is that it's it's a 13 by 8 rack tom um okay yeah i just bought these crappy cb drums that's like a I saw that man. That's that video you posted where you're holding the snare. That, it yeah, sounded yeah. incredible, right, man. Right. Oh yeah, we we we, we messaged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah. actually, those toms kind of do that. They just I I didn't touch them from what they came like. That's how where they're tuned at the store, right? But I but that floor tom, I was like, oh, this could do that. Like I was thinking about you, and right. I started tuning the head up a little higher, bottom head a little lower. It's not. It's not. I didn't get there yet, but like I was. I'm For inspired me, by that. When I'm doing that thing, especially with the 13, I, actually, I prefer it on the slightly smaller drum. I mean, these um, these steel, uh, raw steel ANFs, like they just naturally tune crazy low anyway. Like, yeah. 
they basically tune a full size to two sizes lower than they are like Mm -hmm. most of the time. And that's where they love to sit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going like just where I'm not getting too much growl from it being too loose on both heads. Um, So I'll I'll get the, I'll get the batter head as low as I can get it without hearing the wrinkles. Yep. Um, And then when it's actually in situ under mics, I'll get the bottom head where it needs to be. So I'll actually just even even just tuning one lug here right. and there on the bottom head just to get rid of too much of the actual growl that's inherent in the tone and then add add saturation back to it as opposed to having kind of like an ugly out of tune tom growl. Okay. And that man the secret to the saturation on that is Waves J37. Just fucking dimed. Okay. I'm not, writing not, all this not, shit down, man. <laughs> not not the not the input gain, the actual saturation uh-huh. knob though. Okay. Um, input gain you want to keep fairly consistent because if you run the input run the input too hard, it actually kind of clips everything off it. If yeah. you keep the input fairly, you know, fairly low and fairly conservative yep. and then just dime with the saturation, it's yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a really cool sub technique. You can use uh, you can use on J thirty seven as well with the with the delay that's built into it. Set it to like a one millisecond delay, and then set okay. the filters to like twenty hertz and eighty hertz. Okay, and just turn the delay up until you make an eight hundred eight out of it. Which is um, yeah, Damn, which dude. is you're dropping dimes here. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> These are all things I intend to charge people for at some point, but you know, <laughs> no, it's out there. <laughs> so you went down this path totally on your own. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And the reason it started is because right around then in 2010, um, I had a couple of composer friends here in town, like film composers who were like, hey, can you record drums at your house? Or And at that time, I was in a little apartment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, but I can figure it out. <laughs> right. right. So, um, so I had like a Digi 002, you know, which has like, four mic inputs in it yep and it was like two overheads kick and snare wow and uh peter erskine basically loaned me some microphones that he had okay and and was just like here you go you can borrow these because you know so that's what i used i had and i was like a it was a beta 52 um a beta 57 Mm-hmm. And he had two, I don't even know, they're like Biodynamic 703s or something like that. They're like small diaphragm condensers. Okay. Which actually sound really good. Yep. Um, and that's all I had. Okay. And a laptop. Do you think you were trying to emulate some of the things that you knew Lyle liked, or do you think you just got better at doing Not it? at all. I was never thinking about Lyle's rig. Just how can I make, where... You know, I'm sure you, you, you think this way too. It's like, you know, it's this money's hard fought for when we're trying to do sessions and gigs. Yeah. Where is the smartest place next? If I'm going to put money into my recording rig, mm-hmm. you're kind of always thinking like, well, where does it make sense yep. to get better? So, you know, it's like, it's usually mics or pre's. You know, if it's not, if you're at a place now with your, you know, converter and your computer and all that. Yeah. So no, it's about, because I have other clients than Lyle, but I knew that if I get my shit where I'm really happy with it, you know, other people I work with are going to be thrilled. So I made a couple big leaps um, in recent times. 
mm-hmm. where I was like, I actually sold quite a bit of drums. Yeah. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some stuff that is the best that I could think of that I've, that I've used that I know I'm not going to outgrow. I don't, I'm no more intermediate steps. If, if, if I'm not going to get something that's keeper stuff, I'm just going to wait till I can afford. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot. And I, and I don't mean to say this, like I would give the opposite advice to a kid starting out. I'd say, get the best stuff you can afford, find some used stuff. Yeah. Be humble. Um, but yeah, we're trying to sell our services to people who are working in the best studios that have access to the best gear. So it has to, it's got to hang. Yeah, I don't really do too much. The only thing that changes the sound drastically is just changing the drums out. Right, okay. Or or tuning, or, you know, muffling them, or... I, I try to leave them... I, I like the idea of making the drums sound the way you want at the source, and then the mics just pick it up. Right. And then, and then from there, you can go, you know, anywhere with mixing. I mean, you can right. tweak shit out forever and... Do you spend a lot of time tweaking shit before you send stuff? Or you kind of, is it depend on who you're sending it to? Tweaking, like which way? Like like post, post, post playing, just, you know, add it, like fucking with mics or, or. Um, no. Doing much? No, it's pretty much the way it comes in. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'll do a lot of like back and forth, you know, like I have a, I don't know if you saw the monitor behind the kit, but. Right. That's connected to the monitor or to the computer in here. I have a long HDMI cable. Okay. So I can sit out there, play a bit, listen back. Or sometimes I'll just come in here and listen back and um, just make sure everything's the way I want it. Okay. And then, and then listen back to it with the music I'm recording to make sure everything's kind of speaking right. with, with the instrumentation around it, you know? Okay. And if, and if that's, and if something isn't working, I'll change the drum out or change the cymbals or uh, <clears throat> maybe EQ a little bit of more, more high end or less high end on the kicker snare. Okay. I guess I, I guess I just figured you were changing mics a lot for some reason. I just figured like, ah, it's a whole new setup, whole new mic setup also. Whole new drum setup, whole new mic setup. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, I, I would, but you know, since the pandemic hit, I just got into this thing of just keeping the mics the way they are okay. and just changing the drums out. And I was always surprised at how the sound would drastically change from me simply just changing the drums. Like I didn't have to really do much. I mean, right. if I was going for like a super uh, extreme kind of drum sound, I could just add a few weird mics or something that are distorted or, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of kept it really simple so that when people get the tracks, there's nothing going on and they can, you know, as long as the drums sound good with the song, then they can go from there. That was kind of the idea I had. And plus, you know, when you know how it is when you're engineering yourself, you don't want to, or at least I don't want to <clears throat> make it where the drums are so full of character that they can't just go back to like a natural drum sound if they want. Right, right. I'd rather give them the option. It's it's kind of like I I think of it like cooking. It's like you get the base ingredients, like you know, there's just the basic mics on the kit with the drums sounding really good. You know, like the big thing with me that I always obsess about is when I'm playing, I'll hit the kick and I'll hit the snare, and if the toms are going, you know what I mean, like 
mm-hmm. I'll try to find what's going on and deal with it, but still make the tom sound good. And um, I mean, if I can't get that together, I'll just take the toms off the kit. And uh, <laughs> right, because you know, a lot of times you don't even play a tom. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I remember some uh, a mixer friend of mine saying like, "I hate it when they don't play a tom the whole time, and then right at the end you hit the dig it rack tom." <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's because you yeah because by the end of the song you're like shit i better hit these things they're sitting there <laughs> resonating um but that's the big thing i try to do is like make sure like if they want to like su- like make the drum kit super squashed and compressed like a lot of people do now mm-hmm. that when they do that that the toms aren't going making a note or yeah screwing with the backbeat sound you know like that kind of thing okay so then i've got room mics and then I, I would have overheads and then I might put, put a, a close mic as well. Okay. On whatever the instrument was. Okay. Just for one instrument. Yeah. So the, you're and the bathroom mic. Okay. So now you've got a stereo room, stereo overhead. There's two, two stereo tracks, a close mic. Yep. There's three tracks and a bathroom mic, four tracks for one instrument. Yeah. Well, that's what and I was I, talking about earlier. Cause I've done a little bit of that out here. And it's very complex because you have to have the options of the depth with yes. this thing. And then and then you're multi-tracking many instruments, maybe for one cue or just over the whole session. Yeah. Right? So for one cue, I might have done four, five, six overdubs. Right. So you're all of a sudden you're up to 36 tracks for I know. Like, yeah. I yeah. know, right? It's like you just go like and there's a there's an aside story to that on this Disney project I did. Well, I'll tell you about that in a second. But anyway, so so through with my friend Michael, we kind of decided, oh, the room seems to sound the room like sound. We really sculpted this and spent some time before we even recorded our first cue. Because Alan wanted to hear what I was doing. Yeah. Right before he they were going to commit. Sure. So he wanted to go like, well, okay. So we we took, I don't know, a better part of a day, half a day anyway messing with mic placement and all this kind of stuff yep. to go like, okay, let's record a cue. Let's send it to him. See what he thinks. Okay. Well, guess what he did? So he gets it at Fox and then he's got speakers out in the room. The, the orchestra's gone. Now. Everybody's gone. So okay. he's got speakers out in the room. He plays my stuff over the speakers in the room and mics that sends that back on more channels. And now it sounds like the percussions in the room with the orchestra. Brilliant. Actually, at the moment, I'm obviously trying to get different sounds from this one small room. So sometimes yeah. I'll mess around with stuff yeah, to yeah. try and make this tiny room sound as big as possible. And what's but I'd most, love to. What's the most effective way you're finding to to do that? To do that, yeah. um, well, recently um, on the last few things I did, I took an SM7 into the next door bit, so it's outside of the room. And I had a 14 inch floor tom there, and it's 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 a it's like bricked out that bit that bit as well. So it's just okay. brick and concrete. Yep. And I just put the floor tom then. I just put SM57 on top of the skin, and obviously it resonates. And I just shut the door and I was playing, and it just sounded like you you kind of get that obviously that overtone of the yep. the floor tom, and I just you know ran that through some compressors, you know some stuff on sound toys or whatever, you know some you know the devil lock and. Mm-hmm. the capitator and it just kind of really brought out this big sound you know very still very overtony but when i found like i blended that in and maybe sent a reverb from that channel as well 
it kind of had quite a big sound that sounded uh, pretty cool that's, that's um, interesting man so you thought i'm like i'm gonna use tom bleed essentially yeah chamber in a sense yeah because it just had a bit of a ring and uh a fr- I, I was telling one of my friends and he said oh you should try the same thing which i'm still going to try now and um actually open up the head and so you take off one of the skins and lie it upside down and just put the SM57 inside and see what it sounds like. And he, he reckons it'll sound really cool. That, I yeah, think I, made a really interesting point. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that, like finding the right room for you. Yeah. What is it you do most often and, and best? And then kind of building around that, you know, and having, and if you're having a place built, having a, a designer contractor who understands that, you know, would is very beneficial. But I think you also mean that as a player, not just, yeah. no, I mean, totally. You're speaking of as a player and an engineer, but I think as if you're talking like as a player too, um, you know, there are going to be some people that's just over a power a room because that's how they play. You know, mm-hmm. there are guys that are going to hit symbols at a certain velocity because that's how they play. You know what totally. I mean? And in some rooms, that's going to just be challenging. In a bigger room, that's going to be helpful. You know, well, and, and, and at some point in a, in a rear big room, it's going to sound incredible in a way that I don't because I just plain don't hit hard enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's and it's funny, too. Well, you know, that made me it triggered like certain rooms in L.A. that I love playing mm-hmm. it, like uh, S- Sunset Sound Room 1 or 3, uh, yeah. Hinton Room B, although that's a little bigger because of the ceiling, but it's still smaller. And uh, was the third? Oh, East West. Yeah, it's like. Those are medium, medium to, uh, they're not small rooms. They're medium sized rooms. Yeah. You know, and like, those are just awesome rooms to be in. Yeah. And it's just, you know, we all, we've all had that experience of you just set up in whatever space could be a venue, could be a studio, whatever. And you just like, wow, it sounds incredible in here. Mm-hmm. And just, it's for whatever reason, all the, the drums are in the right spot. You're playing them correctly. Yeah, there's there's something to be said about certain people fit in certain spaces better than others, for sure. Yeah, well, that's fine. I, I I would discover too that I would go to sessions and show up with you know the expensive drums and you know the really multi thousand dollar blah 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 and, um, to set up for the for the session and the people like okay and then pull out some th- ancient crusty marching bass drum like oh wow what's that oh that yeah let's use that that's you know the drum with character and and. <laughs> I hear this story over and over from people, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, there is obviously a spot for the super pristine, you know, the whole thing. And I do it and you do it too, but, yeah. but there's just as much of a spot for the, the crusty character thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think in the long run, those, those win out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just that's got something unique that that ends up in a song that makes helps helps make a song unique uh, if the yeah. song is good. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, one day I just went to the hardware store and bought, you know, a bunch of chains and and you know lengths of toilet brass toilet chains and man, that brass toilet chain you loop it up and put it on the snare drum it sounds great. I mean, it really it adds all this grit and character to any drum. It was like two dollars worth of brass toilet plunger chain and. Uh, you know, they don't really advertise that in the, the drummer magazines, but right. um, yeah, I think it's cool. I I, I just um, over the years, you know, I, I've 
talk to other and and I went through this myself of like oh my god you know it's going to cost so much money to do this and and you know I've got to have this amazing stuff and amazing preamps and amazing converters and the more I do it like nah you don't really I mean you know work with what you got and yeah. and be creative and you know but I mean we're in that world now too right like there are so many records out there that are all over the map sonically and it's interesting as hell you know like i love listening to electronic records and um what what kids are doing these days manipulating sounds Uh, you can always tell though when someone is really into you know like say a sean everett like like doing it on an organic level versus just plug-in based right 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 that's i mean i think that's probably my main influence these these days too is some kind of weird hybrid either pure electronic or some weird hybrid electronic electronic thing. And I'm like, well, could I do that acoustically? Like, what is that? Right. That's the first thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think BJ Burton is doing some really interesting production and it seems like there's a lot of millennials that are, that want your raw tracks just so they could do that. So they can create like this crazy weird, you know, landscape change, but right. Uh, I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky that I have the time and the energy and equipment to be able to experiment on my own end and not just give up or, or go to a studio. Like, man, if I think about it, if you didn't have your own place and like, you just subjected yourself, like you get this one kit and this one sound, you go somewhere else and that's it. This is all I have to offer, right? This is the one set of clothes I have. (laughs) Like that would be, that would be, I would be boring after a while, I would think. What do you think some of the most important things you've learned from him, maybe on an engineering level or maybe on a musicianship level or things like that? What have you taken from him or some, maybe some other engineers that you work with and brought that have really helped you in your current situation? Yeah. Um, well, he, he's also one of the other people that I immediately got on the phone with and was like, I got to figure this out real quick. What do you got? And he, he, um, he's always been very generous with that kind of, just like you, very generous with that time and knowledge. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was instrumental when I first got to LA, of course, in, in, um, getting, getting me involved, getting me on some records and getting me in his studio working and he's a perfect example of this you know you don't don't hear with your eyes because if you look at some of his setups they're the most creative and unconventional and there's oftentimes there's not there's not a microphone within 10 feet of the kit but you go back and listen and it's right here the whole drum set is right here because of his his magic so he's an extreme uh engineer and he's brilliant but it it is unconventional and so whatever preconceived notions I came to LA with, especially from Nashville, more of a typical, you know, uh, bread and butter culture there in the studios, it was all thrown out the window. So that, that just that attitude of like, you know, don't, don't knock it. You know, this, this falling apart guitar over here sounds amazing Mm -hmm. in the right song and in the right context. So don't, don't look, don't look for pristine gear. Uh, Look for look for something with a vibe and with that's why I like this space better. It's mathematically it doesn't check out at all, but as as my my actual studio space. But to me, it's better ninety percent of the time. 
because it's got a thing to it. iBook and a um, the first Motu 828 interface. Okay. Um, Firewire 400 and a, uh, a set of NS10s. And um, that was pretty much it. And, and, and I was using a uh, digital performer. You had a sense of mix because you said you were doing live yeah. front of house mixing. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's a pretty massive perspective too, to like, didn't wa- I'm sure not only that watch drummers come through every night. Yeah. Not just drummers, but any, anybody, anybody that's too loud or has great tone or shitty tone. Right. I mean, right. learning curve. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember doing monitors and it was, we, um, uh, Jason Merger, uh, we were, Death Cab was playing on the Transatlanticism mm-hmm. tour. And- you know, we can, we do that with audio sometimes like, you know, I'm like, oh, that Phil sucked. I'm just going to move this. But I feel like with MIDI, it's even crazier, right? It is crazier. And that's where listening with your eyes, that's, that could be a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I remember when I started, when the switch from two-inch tape to Pro Tools came into play, and everyone, you know, the engineer, the producer say, all right, come in, let's, let's hear the playback. No one was listening. They're all staring at the computer. <laughs> oh, that kick drum's off. Oh, the guitar part, it's rushing. And oh. it's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're all listening with our eyes. What happened to the music? So I had to pull myself back from that dark space and go, okay, wait a minute. Let me listen to it. And if it's that effed up, I'll go back and look at where that MIDI note is bad and adjust it. Mm-hmm. Or I'll just adjust it just enough to still keep it feeling like me, mm-hmm. but it feels good. Yeah. Again, it's all about feel. They call Blair Sinta because of his feel. They want that feel because they know what it feels like. Okay, if I call Blair and Adam Zimmon and and Dave LaVita, and you know, here's here's what it's going to feel like. Here's Here's... Here's what it sounds like in my mind. I know when I call these three guys, this is the feel. Here's what it's going to sound like. Done, right? You know? Yeah. Um, so so you, you may move something a hair, but you're really not. You're not. How do I phrase it? It's got to be egregious for you to go in and move something. It has to be so effed up that it's like, okay, right. <laughs> let's, let's keep it real. You know, have them get to a studio at eight in the morning or nine in the morning, set up the kit, and then you know tune it up for for those guys. It was right. it was pretty, yeah, amazing, really. Yeah. So you got to learn like Abe and Josh and and Jim Jim's setup kind of, and and you kind of yeah yeah yeah. And I mean, I, Keller, I, was, it, was it like that's obviously super interesting? Was it was it always different with with Keltner, or was it like? You know, like who knows what's going to happen with Keltner this time, or or was it st- was it? Kind oh of- yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it was funny. Like you'd, we'd show up, uh, and like the engineer would come up and just be like, "What is that? He's going to use that? Like he's going to play on that? What is he? He how, what? And like you know, it's crazy. Like if if you've ever looked up a Keltner setup or seen him play, like it's, it's wacky stuff, but it works when he plays it, and like. 
I've seen him play really like hard and really soft. Like he's, it's not like he's got a thing and he's got so many toys and like, it's about playing with different sticks and sounds and like his feel and how he approaches it. Like it's, I mean, so cool. So cool to see that in, in person and like just have him vibe and, you know, um, control the room. Like when he shows up, it's Jim Keltner. I, I'm when he's around, Elton John it's still like Jim Keltner is here oh wow you know or whatever so it was it was really cool getting to see that and again I did recordings on this that are on like major label albums because they were like well sounds good why redo it and um it had like a natural like it had an onboard compression that was great yeah you know how to use compression I would just turn it on or off (laughs) and it it sounded great so I'm like that thing yeah yeah (laughs) and then uh did this get you thinking about like drum tones then? Or was it more like, hey, the mi- just put the microphones up and I'm going to make sure I play the part and like. Definitely drum tones. Uh, a, a great, le- you've, I know you think this way. A lot of uh, good uh, advice for recording drummers is put up one microphone first and learn how to play with that. Yeah. If you can make drums sound good through one microphone, then you add another one and then you add another one because if you're, crashes are too loud or your rim shots too loud or something and or your tom fills are too soft or something your internal balance is off and it's not going to record well yep so i learned a lot about internal balance uh playing with minimal miking like not bashing the crashes or or what crashes i'm going to use i'm going to use super thin ones super heavy ones bright dark uh if i'm going open hi-hat am i doing that open hi-hat or am i doing that kind of sizzly open hi-hat thing and uh tuning a snare drum sizes of toms head choices amount of muffling in a bass drum you were thinking about stuff in the late 90s oh yeah and it was only because i would be horrified with the sounds i was getting and i was trying to figure out why it doesn't sound the way i want it to no doubt you know what i mean i mean you definitely have i mean i also often when i'm hearing your stuff it's there's a crunchy element to it there's an electronic element to it. Yeah. And, then, and then, of course, just your playing style is inherent in that thing. Yeah. You know. Well, that's my comfort zone. I really, yeah. I, I really, I'm kind of obsessed with distortion. Um, and I think a lot of it is because, <laughs> I think because we're on our phones so much, it's, I want to I watch back. If I'm going to record something, film it, and do audio and all when i watch it back on my phone i want it to sound good coming out of my phone mm-hmm. you know obviously it needs to sound good on speakers and headphones but um there's a mix element that's very important yeah it's like i i don't want it to sound great everywhere and then you put on your phone it sounds like shit you know it's um because the reality is people are listening to music out of their laptops their phones mm-hmm. um i want it to sound good everywhere yeah well, I was going to say this too. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but like, I remember when I started doing other instruments, having already done drums, I was actually less intimidated because to me, drums are like, not that other instruments don't have challenges in recording them, but like, if you can record a drum set, you're in pretty good shape for like a base of knowledge about what to do with other things. And, and, and a lot of times with other instruments, maybe what, couple of mics at most on one source or something like that Mm -hmm. as opposed to like you know 10 or 12 or whatever i found that 
part way less intimidating. The only part that was, you know, a bit of a mystery is like, you know, placement with all those different instruments. But mm -hmm. the idea that you didn't have to monitor like eight or 10 things while you're doing it, it's like so much, you know, easier to me. Right. And look for phase between all of them. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. if you have two mics on a guitar cabinet, you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah this one's picking up Easy. like like lower lower frequencies and this one's picking up you know the more bite and we blend them together and we set them evenly so they're yeah. get the you know yeah exactly yeah 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 i i found that to be really um yeah i just think drums are are such a bear and if you're if you're comfortable with that uh if you can accomplish getting to the point where you're comfortable with that then you're in good shape and it's uh, a lot of other stuff seems a lot easier after that, you know? Yeah. I, I would say the biggest challenge is, is vocalists or vocals, yeah. but that's like a whole, that's like a whole